0: This week, I've got Sam Sheffer on the podcast, who I've been wanting to talk to for a very long time. Thanks for coming on, Sam.
1: Of course. I'm uh, not really doing much, so uh, <laughs> I honestly have all the time in the world, so thanks for inviting me on.
0: Well, that's part of what I want to talk about is like how we're keeping busy, and you know, what it's like to be a YouTuber in these times. Most episodes of this podcast, I try to make evergreen. That's the goal, is that you could come back and listen to anything at any time, and it's always going to make sense. This will not be one of those episodes, I think. Things are moving so fast right now that, um, you know, I I think for one, when I have episodes and we're not talking about the current pandemic situation, when I listen back to those, I'm like, it, it doesn't quite ring as true because that's what's on my mind a lot. You know, I just am thinking about it and to pretend it's not something we're all conscious of feels, I don't know, like there's something missing in the conversation. Because we're all—it's on all of our—it's he- in our heads right now.
1: It would feel kind of maybe like tone deaf a little bit, you know, yeah. to just like ignore it in a sense. But
0: on the other hand, it's like we—it's not too worth it to get into any details of of the right now very far because honestly, you know, it's going to take me at least a day to edit this, and things will have changed by then. But some some stuff that will be very relevant to you, like your experience being very different from mine, is that you are in New York, where we all know is getting hit the hardest, and. I guess maybe let's start off on on a low note <laughs> of just what's what's it been like for you being there right now.
1: So I've lived here since July of 2013, so I'll be celebrating my 7-year anniversary this summer. Um and this is this is like New York. It doesn't need an explanation. It is it is a destination city for people around the world. People dream about visiting here, you know, and I've lived here for 7 years. Um, and, um, I still love it here. Um, it just, the, the energy feels, it feels so weird and it, it, I can't really put it into words, but like you were just saying, Tyler, like it's on everyone's minds. Like there's no escaping it. Everyone's thinking about the same thing. People are wearing masks and no one's going outside. I just can't believe, I mean, I can believe cause it's happening, but like, I can't believe that a city like Manhattan is able to, you know, sort of calm down and people are, are listening. There's for the amount of people that are typically in the streets. Like I'm, I have an office that overlooks Broadway, which is one of the busiest streets in town. It's usually extremely crowded people walking, getting lunch in the cars, you know, construction, this, that I would say if a normal day is, you know, 80, 90% regular, this is now operating at five or 10%. There's no traffic in the city.
0: Anybody that hasn't seen, you did just put out a a video, uh, so I'll link in the description and in the show notes, uh, just showing the city right now. And those visuals make the biggest impact, I think, really seeing what it's like to be empty when it's supposed to be full.
1: Riding home at night, for example, crossing over Houston streets, a very busy Broadway and Houston intersect. And sometimes if I hit a red light, I have to wait for the traffic to... If I I pull up and there's just no cars in either direction, it is so unbelievably bizarre. And going to some of these iconic places, and I just want to make it clear for uh, your listeners, Tyler, everything is closed. You can't, like, restaurants are open, sure, some of them for takeout, but you can't go to the movies, no museums are open, no retail is open, there's nothing to do. So you can leave your house, go for a jog, You know, walk your dog. Go grocery like grocery stores and bodegas are open, but there, like New York, has not been like this ever, from my understanding, since World War II. You know, or 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 a hurricane
0: since since gangs in New York. Yeah,
1: pretty much. It is it is very bizarre, and I um, again, not to get you know too caught up in this, but I just don't know that. And I was I was thinking about this when I went to sleep last night. I don't know that we're going to, as a society, especially New York City, because there's so much. New York is so dependent on tourism and the restaurant industry and retail. I don't know, Tyler, that we're going to go back to a normal. Mm -hmm. I think we're going to go back to a sense of regular life where you could go outside and it's okay to sit down and have a beer at a bar or you know see a movie. But this notion of things going back
0: to normal. I don't know that there is a normal to go back to at this. Time. I don't know what the average people are thinking about this. Like I'm not, I haven't, I don't talk to a hundred people a day, so I don't know where everybody's heads are at. But I, I know there are some people that are waiting for that normalcy to come back. Like I can't wait for things to get back to the way they were. And I, I don't know a, a non-harsh way of saying this, but it will, it will never be what it was before. Everything is different. We are in a different world you know, even, even, I mean, for us, like a big impact is that, uh, that tone difference of like things feeling shallow or hollow that used to, a great example, actually, I've been wondering like, what is, what's David Dobrik going to do for the next year? Like that, like very like fun and like buying cars and that kind of vibe that was so huge for a few years is gonna have a different Resonance now. We're all going to perceive it a bit differently. And so even comedy moving forward will have to kind of acknowledge what's going on. So th- there won't be the old world. I mean, it's the same as the way people talk about pre-9-11 and post-9-11. Like the world did change, but the scale of this will be much more. So I think I think
1: because because this is having an impact on the global economy and people around the world, this is inescapable. 9-11 had an impact on the economy for sure, and it made a lot of people scared, and terrorism, and war, and that kind of thing, but, you know, not everyone got hit with a terrorist attack at the same time, not comparing the virus to a terrorist attack, but I I, I was just reading the comments on the video, people around the world are dealing with the same issue, and I, again, I don't think, and in in mine, and your generation, Tyler, we've ever, I mean, maybe 9-11, sure, but we've never experienced something where, the world is all uh, thinking about the same thing. And it, it also kind of uh, has this sense of unity in a really weird way uh, where, um, I mean, I'm just so already tired of looking at Twitter. I used to, used to, about a week ago, I was obsessing <laughs> the over times. the stats the bef- before, right, when it was kind of the the news was really starting to pick it up. I was watching the the virus trackers and seeing the numbers. I'm just... Already, two or three weeks in, tuning it out already because I feel like I'm already so jaded by all this stuff because you can't escape it. It's all anyone is talking about ever. And also now, I don't know, it it feels – I feel like the shock has settled where I remember vividly I was watching NBA Live with my brother in my apartment. And he had mentioned Rudy Gobert, like, touch the microphones. And then breaking news on TV, Rudy Gobert, test positive. And then 30 minutes later, breaking news, NBA's canceled. And then breaking news, Tom Hanks has COVID. And I was like, everything is is, all the dominoes are following at once, right? And so that sort of, uh, that emotion, the alarm bells were ringing very strongly. And now week three into this, like, you know, unofficial stay-at-home quarantine thing, I'm just like, I just feel like, okay, this is it now. Like I'm not like, oh my God, the world's burning. It's just like kind of this acceptance level now.
0: And I wonder how much news is slipping by that would have been the front page a month ago and is now – like who cares that's a really like to, good point I mean, that's we a, could break it down into every industry we could look at like oh what's going to happen with movie theaters if you just took the news about every movie theater in the country is closed how will that change movies going forward zero movies are being produced like uh rest all the restaurants wait in the so, so are hold on
1: hold on hold on this is this is factual information because i i like mm-hmm. read this somewhere and i it, i didn't really register movie studios are not making like there's no one producing yeah. producing content really right now. Yeah,
0: anything anything that was being shot in in any traditional sense is canceled. I everything I've looked at from every single major studio has shut down every current set. And not everybody's happy about it. Like there's a lot of directors and producers that are still like, "Look, I want to keep shooting. I want to find a way to do it. I'll test all my crew. We'll try to do social distancing, which does not work on a movie set." Um, but yeah there isn't there isn't new stuff coming out except for some you know hopefully there's an enterprising documentary filmmaker or somebody that can act and shoot themselves that's making something interesting at home
1: but and these late night hosts have, have hosts oh have God. now resorted to doing yeah. stuff and it's just like the the person's spouse recording on an iPhone one take and you just see how I mean, you and I understand this. It is not easy making a high-quality YouTube video by yourself. I have some if you have a crew of three or four them. people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and you know that getting good lighting, getting good audio, getting good you know video, remembering to hit record. These are all things that are usually uh, uh, tackled by a team of. Three, five people like even MKBHD now has, I mean, not right at this very second because he's, you know, by himself, <laughs> but he's grown from a high school kid, a college kid in his bedroom with, you know, him and he has three employees now. Um, yeah, it's interesting you say that. I guess you can really slice any aspect of our society and hone in on it and say what's going on with this but everything is just crazy wherever
0: you look like whatever the every area you look you're like wow i never thought we'd see this i mean sports another one so i mean i don't pay any attention to sports one thing keeps going through my head is what will the espn be doing in three more weeks like how do they fill this time i have absolutely no idea i don't either and
1: i don't i don't really watch like I do watch basketball occasionally, but I'm trying to think of also you're just making my brain work now. All all of the programming on television are there is is the Today Show on television right now. I have no idea. I know the late night shows are being done, you know, at home on YouTube, basically, but. Are are these Good Morning America stuff, or, or is it all people reporting from their laptops? I don't know, because I don't watch.
0: Well, another way to break it down the chain is that so much of the way that cable pricing and cable packages are structured is based on live sports. Like live sports define a lot of how people buy their media subscriptions of all kinds, and is even a big thing that has been holding back streaming for a long time. So what happens when we spend a year without any live sports— does everybody cancel all their cable packages and they're not going to I don't know like when they come back it will be different this is what i'm saying like things will get back into a functional economy the, you know we will have this virus under control but the structure around all of our consumables will be changed in some way
1: i think i think that word you used is the right word this consumable
0: we we've grown
1: to be this very consumerist society where I don't know that retail can return to normal after this, you know? And I, and I don't know that, uh, I guess, I guess my thought kind of like overall, and we'll probably just continue talking about this, but one thing that has really struck me is this virus has sort of pushed us all toward the future of being online where two weeks ago, a month ago, you know, this concept of working of home was so foreign to most people. My mom you know, goes to an office, traditional. She has like a, a sort of a regular job, if you will. But now she brought her computer set up at, at home, and she's working from home. And now, it, you know, not every single job in the world can be done with a computer. But we're in 2020. We're supposed to be in the future. And um, for better or worse, this pandemic has really shifted us to say, "Hey, we have the tech." Like, can you be? In, can you imagine being in this? pandemic in 1998, when there's no YouTube, when there's no iPhone, when there's no, there's, there was just, it would be, it would be very different. And I think sort of on the contrary of that, um, the misinformation about the virus, you know, people uh, are claiming to be, you know, sort of know things. And then there's also like this issue of verified people on Twitter saying things that are conflict. It's just like the, the amount of information that we're able to intake because. We have these, you know, uh, might be not the best thing, but I don't know.
0: So I, I actually did a terrible job of introducing you because I didn't even say what you really do for anybody <laughs> that doesn't that – anybody that doesn't know who Sam Sheffer is. Uh, so, I mean, you cover tech and you have been for a long time at other uh, publications previously, now on your own for a few years. I think we were both getting our YouTubes really going around a similar time um, that we both, like, went independent with it. Uh, but you've got this really clear perspective into the tech world. So that's part of what I'd like to talk about. Like, Let's follow some of these trails of what's happening now and how is that going to change the world of technology. And then also, I do want to get around to the new iPad and just do something light and fluffy towards the end. So let's, okay, let's have some good news eventually. So there's a, there's a okay. g- pot of gold at the end of the uh, doom trail. Do you, have, you, have you used it? Yeah, I, di- I did get a review unit. Uh, so I've been trying it up for the last few days. So I have, I have a few basic thoughts on it so far. Um, So a a big one, one that's maybe on my mind the most right now is Amazon and other delivery services, food delivery services. Anybody that we've come to, we were already counting on before this started. Now we're starting to really rely on. Um, We're we're at this, it's, it's a tough thing to talk about first of all, we are becoming very dependent on any delivery services. Nobody wants to leave their house. A lot of people shouldn't leave their house. Or if you do go out, it should be as seldom as possible. I mean, if you're getting groceries, try to do it once a week, once every two weeks, Uh, you know, don't be shopping for things you don't need. Um, But at the same time, it's putting all of these uh, factory, um, sorry, like part picking people that are inside the warehouses that are Choosing the things to send out to us, they are at risk. And delivery people are also at risk because they're exposing themselves to all of us as they drop off the packages. So, at the same time as we're like, oh, I'm just so glad that Amazon exists, we're now taking all these people working at pretty crappy jobs that have not been compensated very well, not treated very well. And they are suddenly our lifeline to having a regular daily existence. Um, So, my thoughts on it so far. I I hope that Amazon doesn't close and stop shipping things, which I, I do see that idea floated sometimes. It's like, you know, we have to protect these people. But I think it is their chance to really step up to the plate and turn around their perception of being a bad place to work. Because that's that's how I see Amazon. I think a lot of people perceive Amazon as like, if they're not great to their employees, Uh, you know, pay them more, at least temporarily give them risk pay. Uh, give them absolutely anything they need to feel safe in the workplace so that they are in as sterile of an environment as possible. And, you know, if that means changing the way that people work, maybe it is even slowing down the whole process, do it so that people are not as exposed to each other. Like Amazon can do the right thing at this moment, and they will be a hero because we all want our packages. We all want Amazon to keep delivering, but it shouldn't be... Uh, We we shouldn't be trading it off for the health and security of their staff. So I don't know. You make a lot of really good points. How, I guess,
1: breaking it down, how would you keep, you know, however many workers it is, 10,000, 40,000 workers safe? I think everyone would have to wear gloves. And like when you get to when you get to work, you wash your hands with soap. And you put on gloves and you put on a mask. I think there's a misconception around this whole masks thing. Masks prevent you from coughing or sneezing and the droplets going onto other humans. It also really helps you not touch your face. If you have a mask on your face, the chance of you sticking your finger in your mouth is
0: basically zero. If yeah. you have gloves on, you know, you're not you going to see- probably rub your eyes... Doctors wearing glass goggles, like that there's always eye protection as well, just to keep your fingers out of your eyes.
1: That's right. So I think if you really, uh, you know, uh, try and diminish transmission, uh, that is a really good first step. Um, and I think, I, I don't know, like Amazon's still delivering packages, right? Like that's Mm -hmm. still a thing right now. Yep. Yep. They they probably should. I mean, if you're someone like Jeff, he's got the most money on planet Earth. He can probably afford to double the hourly wages of the, you know, warehouse and factory workers for these Amazon employees, at least till we return to some semblance of normal. Um, uh, I don't know that... um <sighs> that would be really 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 insane if amazon stopped shipping packages because for the last 10 years you know since i've basically been in college i feel like was was when i signed up for amazon prime and now i rely on amazon prime if something doesn't ship in two two days or even one day now i'm like oh what's going on this is so you know yeah. such a burden um, and i guess yeah you you make a really good point now more than ever with everyone staying at home we all need deliveries I've seen anecdotally Amazon packages or, you know, local Instacart or UPS or, you know, traditional mail, USPS. The deliveries are still going strong. Um, it would be really nice yeah, to see Amazon do something for its employees right now, at least to say, like, yes, we need you. We are aware of the, you know, conditions that you we have you working in. Um, let's properly compensate you. Know? And I
0: want to clarify that there. It's not that there's these rumors going around where you know I don't want to be scaremongering. That like, okay, Amazon's yeah, yeah. about to close, so buy all your stuff right now. Um, it's it's more just like we can all see that the it's not running as smoothly as it as it has. Prime has slowed down. A lot of things aren't available that were previously. Like the system is breaking. Amazon workers are on strike right now. Amazon could try to fight this in the way that they always have, that they did in normal times and just try to, you know, hope it kind of blows over. I mean, even with the factory workers going on strike, which I think they deserve to be going on strike for this, uh, we're also in a place where all of a sudden 3 million people were unemployed in a single week and are going to be looking for jobs and Amazon will have no trouble finding more factory workers. And I hope they don't just go that path of being, you know, just letting everyone go and bring in some new uh, cheap labor, uh, I don't know. That'd be sad to see. And of course, this isn't just Amazon's story. It's everybody that's running it. Uber is in a similar position.
1: I think that this, the infrastructure of Amazon right now is a little bit broken because of all of the supply chains. Mm. If people are staying home from work, not producing these goods, you're not going to have any goods to ship. I just, you know, browsing Amazon, you know, kind of lightly, a lot of things, you're absolutely right, are just out of stock, unavailable. And we don't really know when those things are going to be back in stock because the whole world's on pause right now.
0: There was actually a new story. There was one of those stories that slipped by. I didn't read it till like a week later that Amazon was actually, they announced that they are going to stop Okay. And I I don't have the details of this right because I'm not reading it at the moment, but they are, are gonna stop resupplying non-essential items to warehouses. Like a lot of warehouse space will just be shut down for what they anything they consider to be non-essential to make more room for, you know, like food and bandages and aspirin and Tylenol and all anything that could mm-hmm. be deemed essential, which who knows how they're gonna select that. But um, you know, they've already they have already changed the way that they work. And uh, some some ways I saw it directly was uh, we were trying to get just like some home workout stuff, um, which apparently everybody else is because there are no barbells available on Amazon uh, or in stores. I mean, we're already tr- we tr- first we tried to get it at Walmart before everything was totally locked down. Now, uh, uh, yeah, they are nowhere. Um, so tell me, tell me, Tyler, what it's like for you in Canada? So we have at the moment we have a lot less cases. Um, we're We've been a lot slower to grow, um, even per, per capita. Like, we're in relatively much better shape than the states right now. Uh, mm-hmm. Hard to say exactly why. When I look around Calgary, which is, you know, we're a city of 1.3 million, I guess. We're like a, you know, a mid sized city, but not, not huge. We're also very spread out. So, we already have a, a heavy driving culture it's hard to really get around the city walking. You know, there are some American cities that are similar. Like we're more like LA in trying to get from one place to another that you just don't walk. You are going to drive. So things like that are going to reduce our contact a lot. Um, I can easily go for a walk without seeing almost anybody, depending which neighborhood I'm in. Like I can really see zero people in some near my house and our
1: restaurants and bars and those yeah. kind of things closed. Yeah,
0: everything is supposed to be closed. It, it was just, and a lot of that stuff is municipal. So our it, city by city was being locked down. There are some things that were coming from the province, and then the more granular stuff was coming from the city. And I did notice it was just a few days ago that they announced the all non-essential businesses to close. That was pretty recent here. And I'm still seeing like some cafes open and some things that I'm like, I don't, that is not essential. So the fact that our, our numbers of people that have it are relatively low, I think is, is making it harder for everyone to take it seriously. Some people are like, I'm not, aren't scared enough yet, basically. They're like, well, my odds at this moment are lower. So I'm not going to worry about it, which I think is the wrong idea. I mean, having that approach is what will make it embedded in the community that you're in right now. And there are some very remote places that I, I know have had really severe issues with it already. So um, just cause it's not here now doesn't, it, that just means we're, we're doing a good job so far, but we have to keep doing that. You know, if you run out of patience and just, you know, s- start resuming things as, as usual, then it picks right back up.
1: And one thing that's pretty profound about this situation is the lag time between people infecting each other and then the virus is sort of living in the body and then it starts to have the effects on the body and then they get hospitalized and then they need the uh, ventilators. So there's like this period of, you know, thinking back to maybe the last week of February, or the first week of March when New York was still, normal and i was getting my morning coffee every day and i was getting my food from restaurants and that kind of thing and people were outside that is when the virus was really really spreading and then all of a sudden really overnight it was like whenever the that tom hanks and nba thing happened that was like a wednesday or thursday and then that monday every no one that was it that monday so now we're in week three of this um and and i think this Lag is still going to – we're still going to see the lag continue. The I was watching Governor Cuomo um, just before this. He was saying the apex of the – outbreak in New York is going to, or New York City, I should say, is going to be in the next two weeks, probably. So like mid-April is going to be the height of when the most people are infected and in hospitals. And then hopefully by that time, because we've been social distancing and quarantining ourselves for the last two, three, four weeks, now the virus isn't able to continue to spread. Thus, the numbers will hopefully start to decline um, after we, because he was like, we're going up the hill right now, and then we still have to come down the hill. Mm-hmm. So,
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, it takes a lot of patience right now, which, which is going to be incredibly hard. Like, I, I think right now at the beginning, it's relatively easy to rally people behind something that is fresh, and we all feel we, we feel all this passion and fear right now. But when we've been sitting alone for month two, uh, I think a lot of people are going to start getting antsy and. You know, so-
1: So I want want to ask you two questions. The first question is, when did this become real for you? We had
0: a few real things with jobs canceling. So we had one event we were going to go to in San Diego with an Asian tech company in January. That got pushed back already because they would have been coming from Japan. So it was already prominent enough in Japan that they were like, okay, we're going to move this back to mid or late February. Then that got canceled again. And both of those, I was like, this is already, this is real. I don't know how much it's going to come to us, but it's at least going to affect supply chains. It's going to at least affect the global economy in a real way. Factories are shutting down. Canon's not going to be able to make their new cameras. Like, you know, I I was very aware of that stuff. Uh, We had a video production job at Coachella as well. And once I saw those events moving, and actually, you know, a very real moment was the James Bond movie getting bumped. That's when I was like, everything will be canceled. Um, Coachella is going to be canceled. NAB is going to be canceled. WWDC is going to be, I just knew it from that moment. I'm Like there's no chance that all these other things are going to happen.
1: It, it was this aspect of dominoes falling right
0: one after another. Then an, a next benchmark of when I took it really seriously, March 11th, there was a episode of the Sam Harris's podcast where he just went really in depth and it brought on an expert and that was, that was pretty early. He, that was the first time that he was – I heard anybody really going in depth on saying, like, this will be a major issue in America. The U.S. is absolutely not prepared. It's going to be just as bad everywhere. It's going to take a long t- – like, we're talking about months, not weeks. And, yeah, that, that whole conversation, I, I believed it at the time, and it's absolutely come to be the most accurate early prediction that I saw. And isn't
1: it funny how March 11th was early in this yeah. whole thing when it just feels like every every hour this thing is changing. So then my second question is, how long do you think this is going to last? And obviously, that's a very oh, yeah. you know wide question. And well, in terms of. <laughs> yeah, go ahead.
0: Uh, and obviously, nobody should listen to take. Don't take us too seriously. We are filtering all the other people's opinions that have come through to us. So every, every YouTuber or you know influencer and whatever like personality on the internet, only take them seriously if they have the credentials to back it. Um, so we're just taking. Which what we I heard certainly from don't. <laughs> yeah. My thoughts, though. Okay, I, if, if I were to guess, I mean, I think I think we won't, we won't get a sort of normal. Until there is a you know a really valid medical treatment that is extremely successful and um that is you know probably a year away still at this point um and that's to get things to like everything's just kind of open again and 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 running smoothly. I think to get to a half it's going to be very gradual on the way to that we'll feel a lot more comfortable and we' be able to do more things. I mean, I still feel like that's like six to eight months and it won't be normal. My originally, when
1: this first hit with the NBA being canceled, I was like, this is going to last three months, four months. Where and it's, it's, I, man, I have so many thoughts. It's hard to say when things are ever going to again. I don't want to use the word normal, normal more yeah. of like just like regu- regular life where you're, you could go outside and, I think masks are going to be socially acceptable now. I think that um, handshake culture might take a, you know, people are just probably going to stop shaking hands as much as, you know, they sort of used to. Although I personally, I enjoy when I meet someone or say hi to someone or like a friend, I enjoy a good handshake. Maybe that's just me. I know it's unsanitary, but I'm kind of sad that this is the way things are going. Obviously, I understand why.
0: Thinking about the effects on Italian culture. Like I, I, can't imagine that everybody is going to be comfortable going back to the the hugging and kissing that we 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 know so well from Europe. I mean, like I love how close Europeans are in general, and especially Italians. And it's sad that that will shift. Um, I mean, I think it's so ingrained in them. Personally, they'll have it'll be hard, but they'll have to do a lot less of it. And that's one of yeah. those big like permanent examples of how the world's going to change.
1: That's right. I think going forward, it's going to be at first it was 15 days to slow the spread. Now it's another the whole month of April. We're still on. I don't want to call it lockdown because you could still leave your house technically under some other countries yeah. that they really are. Oh, you're not allowed to leave your house. Um, Voluntary isolation. Yes. And. I I was saying originally things aren't going to get back to whatever till the summer. And what does the summer mean? Is that June 1st? Is that August 31st? I would love to revisit this conversation, you know, June 1st, you know, in the beginning of June, because April and May are going to be pivotal months. Because, look, on the one hand, there's 30-something, you know, teams that are working on – uh Medicines, not necessarily a vaccine, but a medicine. Antivirals. You know, uh, hydroxychloroquine, antivirals. Um, and maybe as testing ramps up, there are sort of aspects of this whole story that could take a positive route. But seeing the way things are unfolding, I think your estimate of the year for the vaccine. Probably for sure. And again, if you're listening to this, me and Tyler are just speculating. Uh, we are not scientists. Um, maybe you are, Tyler, and I don't know about it. Um, <laughs> Secret I, I, I just, I I think that, so I'm turning 30 in June. Am I going to be able to celebrate my birthday with my friends at a gathering? I don't know. I, I, I literally have no idea. Uh, so I think, yeah, two or three months from now, we'll have a much better understanding of how this thing's going to play out.
0: Well, circling back to tech a little bit <clears throat> and hanging out with friends, what are you doing to socialize? How are you staying in contact with people? And, and you also, okay, maybe I'll start here specifically, is you already do streaming. You do Twitch. You stream games on Twitch. You've had a, a rig set up for this for a while. Now, all of a sudden, the whole world is getting in on it. And the, the last episode of this podcast I did was all about streaming. It's suddenly not a nerdy tech thing anymore it's become like, this is just what, this is how we're living, right? Like, we're, in, this is the mainstream. It's like when superheroes got expensive movies made, all of a sudden it's like, now this is, this is the new normal. Um, I don't know, what's that been like? Like, seeing everybody else streaming or, or more people watching? I don't know. what I don't know which question to ask here.
1: Uh, so I'll kind of answer them in order. You asked, what have I been doing to socialize? Um, I, I mean... I'm on Twitter all day. I'm on Instagram all day. I FaceTime friends that are here. I FaceTime friends that are here. I FaceTime friends that are across the country, across the ocean. Um, It's easier now more than ever to stay in touch. Um, I miss human interaction. I think that... um, I think that... I haven't seen... Like I, I've been outside and I've seen with my eyeballs other humans, but I haven't hung out with anyone. No one's been in the studio for I think two weeks now. Um, my brother is away right now. I I just haven't really come in contact with humans in uh, in a couple of weeks. Um, so that's a little bit strange for me. Um, but in terms of staying busy, I've you know made I've I've made these two videos about New York. I don't know that I'm super comfortable going back to regularly scheduled programming. Like I have a electric skateboard review. I want to make, I have some other videos like I have the magic leap. I've wanted to do review on that. I just don't know how it would feel like, would it feel tone deaf for the audience? Should I just acknowledge this? And in the beginning of the video and say, welcome to Corona content, like we're all saying inside, here's some demonetize it right Um, away. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Um, and then in terms of the streaming, the nba is starting a league that is a 2k league for its players so apparently pro basketball players are going to be playing video games and it's going to be televised i heard about that so 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 going from uh i think it was two Maybe three, two or three years ago when uh, Drake and Ninja streamed together. That was this sort of uh, defining moment for, uh, you know, gaming, I think, had a, was a really pivotal moment. Um, and now video games are the most accepted they've ever been. Streaming is also very accepted. There's so many people going live on Instagram, doing workouts. John Mayer has his current mood show. My friend Adam Melcher is playing, you know, a, sh- a show every night. Alec Benjamin, David Dobrik went live. So, so, so many people are going live. And it's nice for the audiences to see these celebrities like this because it really humanizes them, you Mm -hmm. know, where you could see a celebrity, everyone's in their house, you know, Cardi B would did an Instagram live and she was crying, eating her cereal. I just want to go out to eat. Uh, so I think it's, it's, it's fascinating to see how these big content creators or big YouTubers or just like celebrities in general are responding to this because again, Tyler, we are all globally dealing with the same thing and that for, you know, a majority of us is just staying at home. Yeah, and I, I just buy your again, way out uh, of this one. Absolutely not. And then it's scary to think about all of the nurses and doctors and, you know, delivery workers and just people that are still working because Americans have traditionally been maybe known as, you know, lazy, uh, fat and, uh, you know, unmotivated is like maybe a stereotype for Americans. Um, but the virus is, is pretty bad here and there are doctors and nurses that are putting their lives on the line. I, a friend of mine that I went to college with uh, is a sort of regular doctor and they were called in to help uh, treat some coronavirus patients. So uh, uh, I just want to say that, you know, while we're sitting here kind of enjoying ourselves, right? I'm enjoying mm-hmm. myself. You seem to be enjoying yourself too. We're kind of just hanging out digitally. There are people that are you know, dealing with people dying in front of them, and this is—it's uh, it's just—it's just nuts. It's really nuts.
0: Yeah, I think it'll have parallels to wartime, where we're going to have the struggle between decision makers that aren't actually on the front lines and dealing with this stress. And you know, like it, the people running the country at this point, a lot of them are still going to be—you know—in their apartments. Our prime minister has been in self isolation for more than two weeks now, and you know the the feeling of being on your own compared to in a hospital and that panic is going to be such a stark difference and yeah I mean just to you know echo your sentiments like infinite respect to everybody that is still doing that like they are absolutely our heroes I mean they they really always were and I think hopefully now they just get the appreciation that they've always deserved actually in, in those live streams are you finding them a help like are they helpful to you is it is there an improvement when somebody is live like do you feel some extra level of engagement compared to prepared video because that's part of what i'm I'm wondering it's like everybody's just turning on the live button because it's there and is that actually better or is it just people are bored so they're streaming wow really good question i think
1: it's it's both i haven't like my twitch numbers aren't through the roof right now um I've definitely had better numbers in the past, but also, like, I stopped streaming for a while, and when I go live, I'm not blasting it out on, like, I'll send a tweet, sure, but um, I kind of, I I like going live because of what you just said. The interactivity is unlike anything else. Watching someone live, you know that they're live. There's there's no disconnect there, and, and something like Twitch, you can, To have a latency of three seconds, you know, which is insane to be able to broadcast to people around the world from the comfort of my studio and have anyone tune in for free and they can interact with me. It's different than watching a news broadcast or a basketball game on television and there's the little red live, you know, Chiron and you're just watching it, you know, and it's it's just a very uh, one-way sort of interaction versus – Instagram live or Twitch or Twitter live or any of these live platforms on social media, it is a two way street, Mm -hmm. which I think, uh, the, the levels of engagement are really great. I still, um, enjoy seeing, I saw, Jared Leto, go live, Lito Leto, however you say his last name, and he's Tyler. He's like this on his phone. He's trying to get someone in the live, and the camera's just like down here, and he's like (laughs) trying to use the phone, and it's just like pointed up like this, and then Tyler, the creator, also went live, tried to go live with someone else on Instagram. They should really fix their live platform right now. And I have a couple of friends that work at Instagram. And if you're if you hear this, I say this with the the best <laughs> intent and love. The live platform on Instagram could be vastly improved. Um, anytime I've tried to enter someone's broadcast, there's all of this echoing happening. There's latency. It's just not a really good experience. And I've seen two celebrities. Jared Leto and Tyler, the creator, tried to go live on Instagram and have someone join, and they just had to X out of the live because they couldn't figure it out. And this is this is the moment for it to happen. Um, but I, I I was just saying I interrupted myself. I still enjoy being on Instagram and seeing, whoa, this person that I follow has literally never gone live before, and boom, here they are live. Um, and it's I think the way you set it too is is fascinating. Here's a little button that says live' and you click it and boom, they're automatically broadcasting. There's no setup. there's no pre-production. It's just a window into their life. And I think even if this would have pandemic would have happened five, seven years ago, the landscape would have looked different. like twenty twenty probably is the best best. I put that in quotes time for this to happen because of all the technology. I'm seeing a lot more um i guess me personally and just in in you know based on my twitter sphere in general um just a lot more uh interaction on twitter a lot more viral tweets my friend jeremy cohen you probably even saw this the dude with the drone who like met that girl yeah you didn't if you didn't see yeah, you okay. So so I've known Jeremy for years, and this is definitely probably his biggest. He's had a couple viral moments, but this is he shot the cover of New York magazine. The the <laughs> yeah. video on Tyler Twitter or excuse me, the video <laughs> on on Twitter, Tyler, has six million views. And I just yeah, I've Twitter, never seen incredible. I've just never seen in a general sense, uh, so much engagement on Twitter. Um, and maybe this is for political reasons because everyone wants to be active, but this is just, you know, Twitter is now a place where everyone can shout into the void and it could reverberate around the world.
0: Yeah. I got to say that's been the best platform for me to be on right now. Not best in terms of exposure or some kind of like, you know, juicing social media, just like it's felt the best, um, I've always been really careful about who I follow. So I don't see a lot of negativity on it. I don't see a lot of bad news either because I don't use it as like a, a news stream. It's mostly, you know, it's people like you. It's it's other creatives. It's uh, people that, you know, it's gear as well. It's, you know, if you filter the people that are, are able to give you messages, if you make sure that the stuff coming towards you is what you want to be seeing every day, there hasn't been anywhere healthier for me to be than Twitter. And, and I feel like it's real, It's found its moment as well because it is the text version of live streaming. You, know, you don't have to be able to turn on live and talk for 15 minutes at a time and be entertaining the whole time. You just have to have one interesting idea and it is live for a while and then it gradually fades and goes away and then something else comes to the top. So I, I think there's a lot of people that Never could figure out Twitter before that would appreciate it a lot more right now. Because when I look around at my normal friends, very few of them are on Twitter. Like people in real life. It, it's everyone they're they're on, on Twitter Instagram. I know from Twitter. Yes, 100% of them are on Instagram. Zero percent. None of my close friends use Twitter much. And why do you uh, think that there's, is? There's a couple. Sorry, I know some that might be listening, so I have, I have like two. Um, It's hard to figure out. And, okay, and another reason is if you don't have a following, it's a totally different place. Because I always try to remember what changed when I went from having, you know, uh, I would post a tweet and I would get one response if I was lucky and sometimes zero. That's the average experience. When you tweet, nothing happens. And I think it's easy for us, people that talk about it, to talk in terms of like, yeah, you tweet and then you get all this feedback. It's a great loop of conversation and you know you can start a conversation and people talk back to you it doesn't feel like that if you don't have a real following and I think when you know people that don't want to be in the media's eye go and create their first Twitter account it's very quiet they're talking outwards and not getting a lot back and it's just not clear what to do with it so I don't know if if Twitter can get past that point but i would say that if you embrace it and you get active on it that's when it starts having the payoff that i was talking about how do you feel about an edit button on twitter what's your take oh my god we need that edit button like it just seems so straightforward i technically and everything about it is achievable there's no reason not to i mean it's a solved problem on other platforms
1: I agree. I agree completely. And I'm glad we're on the same page because I still see people try to combat the logic of, no, it could be edited in this. It's like, okay, you would get one edit within 30 seconds. And if you did edit it, it would it would say you know, click here to see yeah. yes yes very very simple um and now jack dorsey you know c- continues to joke about it i think reddit has an edit button youtube comments have an edit button facebook has an edit button every instagram captions have an edit button it, it just it seems like i understand still um you know the purists but Man, there's nothing like firing a great tweet that automatic, like really quickly gets engagement, and then you're like, wow, there's a blatant spelling error in there, and you're just like,
0: come on, or gets retweeted by someone be big, and the URL is, I mean, that happened to me the other day. I had a broken URL and it got a retweet. uh.
1: So, edit button, yes, okay, all right. Let's talk more tech. What else?
0: (laughs) Yeah, okay. What else is actually going on right now? Uh, Okay, so I just slightly want to touch on a few tips for anybody that is streaming more. If you're like jumping into Zoom calls a lot. Uh, this, is, this is the next video I want to make, so some of the stuff will be in there, but problems I see all the time. How to Zoom? Yeah, basically. I mean, and the same thing goes for FaceTime or Skype or whatever you're on. It doesn't matter. Um, headphones help more than you think, more than you would even understand why, if you don't even understand why they help, just wear headphones anyway. It's because the, the sound coming out of your speakers is heard by your microphone, and then the software needs to cancel that out. And so it's, yeah, it's pushing the audio up and down constantly. Uh, That's, that's the biggest improvement you could have period. It also gets the microphone closer to you. So sometimes I'll see people sitting far away from their laptop, especially if there's two people in frame. If you have some distance away from your mic, that audio also gets so much worse. Like every single foot of distance drastically destroys the, uh, the audio quality. So get closer, make sure you have light shining on you. I don't know why that needs to be explained, but people just sit in the dark for some reason. Um, what else? What else am I forgetting?
1: Um it depends on really I feel like where you're going live like if you're going <laughs> for a really high quality kind of production like the the this there's a stark difference between using a MacBook webcam or an iMac webcam or a Logitech webcam uh, and then using a DSLR like still to this day people are like Sam your stream looks so good like how what what Like, yeah, you just plug in a DSLR and use an HDMI cable and get like a really high quality video uh, signal. Um, So I just, you know, sort of seeing these (laughs) news anchors and all of the students that are now learning online and the teachers that are broadcasting with the laptop flipped at a really terrible angle and you see Mm -hmm. double chins and it's like, get that sucker eye level. You know, have uh, you know, have a giant window over here, so it's it's lighting, it's sound, and then kind of like camera quality for me is a big a big thing. Um, like if you have the gear laying around and you want to try firing it up, OBS is a free program to use. That's what I'm using to record this audio. Um, and there's a zillion and one tutorials on how to kind of get started. And, and now is the best time to do
0: it. Yeah, exactly. Now's the time to watch all these tutorials. Uh, a thing that Twitter was great for the other day. I got some feedback. Well, I was talking about live streaming from, uh, and sorry, I'm going to mispronounce your name out there, Benj Heish, who was like, hey, did you know you can use your EOS R di- uh, as a live stream camera direct through USB? You don't need an HDMI adapter. And I'm like, no, I didn't know that. That's very interesting. Um, so I'm going to... What, just, what in- is the... You need a the cables, pieces, just a USB-C cable. That's it, direct USB-C into my computer, and then there's a bunch that of software. That camera has USB-C? Yes, it does, but it also works for older cameras. It doesn't have any USB, because you know how you can like monitor your camera through live shooting? Like, if you launch the Canon software, you can bring up a live feed of the camera. There is workaround software that can make that work. So uh, I know that since... since Benj gave me this information. It was in his Patreon. So I'm not just going to like, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about it later, but first go check him out. He's a good guy and I appreciate him sending me the tutorial. Um, it's complicated and kind of messy and gross, but it does mean you don't have to go buy that extra software. Um, Got it. So that's, that's been really cool for me because I didn't have an HDMI adapter. I was like about to buy one. I'm like, well, maybe I could go a little while without it. So um, yeah, and the, the, the last thing I'll add about streaming is your audio is more important than your video like if if people can't hear you the conversation's going to go worse than if they can't see you so uh you know if, if you're going to invest in anything start with a microphone
1: and um, what's nice is most most of these smartphones come with a i mean maybe a year or two ago like the iPhone still comes with the lightning headphones with in you know with a microphone attached and i see so excuse me i see so many creators on tiktok using Mm -hmm. the lightning headphones because they have a microphone on that yeah just
0: and it's closer than on a wireless headphone on an airpod the mic is at your ear so it's you know six inches further than if it's you know you could hold the string right up to your mouth and it makes a huge difference um all right well that's all the doom and gloom i got for today let's talk about the ipad for a few (laughs) minutes Um, all right
1: so full disclosure i haven't seen it in person yet I I kind of want to just talk about my iPad history for a second cuz it's 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 a it's a very interesting device. Um I remember it was 2010. I was working at Engadget and the iPad we were covering the rumors. I was man, I was 20 years old at the time. What a crazy thing to look back at. And um I remember when it debuted i was like that is such a cool piece of tech like it is just a screen that has like the computer inside the screen but it's also touch enabled and man kudos to apple for doing capacitive uh screens right from the offset like even the original 2g edge iphone has an incredible capacitive touchscreen where if you compare that to resistive Windows Phone 6.1, like crappy devices back then, Apple has nailed the touchscreen forever. Mm -hmm. And seeing the, so I bought bought an iPad, the original iPad with like the dome shaped back and it was really cool. I was like, wow, browsing, you know, on a seven or whatever it was. No, that was iPad me. I think the original iPad was what? 9.7 9.7 inches? Yeah, something. around 9. Something like that. 9 was in there. So it was it was really cool to have that big iOS device alongside my iPhone 3G or whatever it was back then. Um And then I bought an iPad 2, and it was like, wow, they thinned it out. It's great. And then I haven't bought an iPad since, frankly. <laughs> really? Um
0: Yeah, iPad yeah, 2 is when uh, I jumped in as well. That was my first one.
1: Mainly because the iPhones kept getting bigger. Like as far as I'm concerned, this thing is an iPad Mini. Yeah, they are. I get a lot. They're pretty giant, huge, huge. I I, looking back at like the the Nexus Seven was a seven inch tablet. Now there are smartphones that are six and a half inch, seven seven inches in, and it's like, how, how did we get here? Um, so I'm I, I love the iPad. I don't want to sit here and sound like I'm bashing it. Uh, Colin, who my friend who I share the studio with and do my podcast with, uh, he has the 2018 iPad Pro. It has USB C. It has the 120 hertz display. It is he has the the bigger version. His iPad, when I use it. Just like this is an incredible computing device, the the speed and its capabilities uh, are are incredible. Now there's there's just this fundamental difference, I think. And again, I haven't I haven't used iPad OS 13 in depth, and I've seen what iOS 14 is, is you know shaping up to look like. There is a difference between so right now I'm recording on my pc i have the skype call open and full screen on one monitor and then on my other monitor i have obs open and just this this difference of being able to freely drag windows in mm-hmm. the graphical user interface and resize them and manipulate them one by one with a desktop and your sort of system tray on the bottom and the clock in the bottom right like we've gotten really Close And the the, uh, mobile operating systems are incredible right now. I just feel like there's still this gap that the iPad – now, I think this is going to change, and I'll let you speak to this because you have this iPad. The mouse support on the iPad, based on what I've seen from the sort of community and dev response, is completely game-changing, where you go from this class of device that, like, you had the laptop and you could type, you know, taking notes, but then you're always, like, tapping and that kind of thing – Mouse and keyboard work great. Like I don't know why we were trying (laughs) to get away from (laughs) that. Yes, yes, we've we've now we're thirty or forty, maybe even fifty years into mouse. No, probably not that long. But mouse and keyboard (laughs) work really well. And 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 Apple has done a really good job again of kind of converting us to this touch first interface. Um, So I have been thinking about. I don't want to go out and spend $1000 on an iPad with a keyboard right now, especially given the, you know, kind of current economic situation, but um I am I am fascinated to hear your thoughts on it because I think the mouse support going forward for the iPad is changing what an iPad
0: is. So the fact that you've tried the 2018 iPad Pro gives you a lot of insight into this one because that's kind of still where we are. It, it's, it has not, this is not the game changer uh, compared to what that was. Last year's iPad was so good. iPad Pro, specifically. Um, it, you know, because I, of the 120 hertz
1: display and because of USB-C and because of the processor.
0: All of it. It's just, it's just like ch- checkbox, checkbox, checkbox. It's just nailing everything. And still, the struggle for me is the OS. So and th- that was the story last year. That's mostly Why? How I, Why? Because, well, so what, the one thing that you talked about, not having true multitasking still is a challenge for me. Uh, I know kids that are growing up on iPads find a way to make it work, but for me, I am slower on it. But probably even bigger is just the most important apps I have still don't have the same support. So for me, that's like Lightroom, Final Cut, uh, Audition, Um those are the most important. If I could, if I could do replace all those, I'd be set. Photoshop does exist, but it does not have feature parity yet. Uh, I'm going to try to start using it more often because it's it's pretty close. I'm also going to try to start using Affinity Photo. I'm I'm sort of thinking of not switching, but I, I want to get comfortable enough with Affinity that I can speak to it. The bit so that one's closer to being replaceable. Lightroom is not, even though they've done a ton of work, Adobe's done a really good job making it uh, a really full featured app. The big issue is storage. If you, even though you can, okay, big step forward. Now you can plug a USB-C drive directly into the iPad. That's really cool, but you still need to import the photos to the local drive of the iPad to store them. So every memory card I fill up is 64 gigs, And I fill a few of those a week in a normal shooting schedule, which we're not on right now. Um, So it's not – I can't really, like, load everything onto the iPad and and let it live there. It needs to live on external drives. Same goes for video. Um, There are other options. Like, I like Final Cut, but, you know, there's uh, – what's the one everybody likes? Luma Fusion is the iPad editing app that people like. uh, There's iPhone ones I like, like Video Leap does a good job. But again, you can't store that much footage. Even HD coming from a good camera, like the, the HD footage out of a Canon EOS R, it still gets pretty big. It's still hundreds of gigs from an average project. And it'd be challenging to store more than, you know, maybe two videos on there at a time. Then you have to get them back off somehow. And then your project file isn't compatible with the, wherever you're storing it. So for, for, for my professional stuff, I just haven't been able to find where it's going to fit in my workflow. All that said, I do think part of the obstacle is that I have an embedded workflow that I'm really used to. And if anybody out there is still creating their workflow, I do think you could create a really successful, professional, creative system around an iPad Pro. Um, The tools like Lightroom is really amazing. And if you started from the assumption that you're going to be working on the iPad, you could do everything you need to with it. Uh, I've seen people do better work than me in, in affinity and, in, uh, photo on, on the iPad being able when you are good with a pencil, which I'm not so good. So a lot of these things are obstacles of like, where did you come from? So now I guess I'll get a little bit to the 2019 or 2020 model. <laughs> um, adding the trackpad, I think is one of those things that lets everybody get way more professional with it and the the reason that that trackpad metaphor is superior in some ways to a touchscreen is especially visible in typing when I'm typing. And when, especially when I'm doing video editing, for example, I don't want to lift my hand from the table up to the screen and manipulate it and come back down. It slows things down so much. It's a, it, it was a, a really big barrier. And now being able to keep my hands down, which uh, I'm doing right now using just a Magic Trackpad because the I don't know the name of the case, but the new Magic the Folio, folio yeah, thing, yeah, with the embedded trackpad that's not out yet, unfortunately. But if you can use any, you can use any pointer device at all, and it works basically the same way. Now I can keep my hands in place and keep working. So if that is in uh, Photoshop, that means I can use my shortcuts. So like something I do a lot in Photoshop is cloning, where I hold down Alt. And select the sample source, and then I start dragging around, and I have to keep holding Alt. Otherwise, I need to put my finger on the screen. So, so you're using a? Are you using a magic trackpad as your mouse? Yes, exactly. So it, I'm using it and way more like a laptop.
1: So you you have a proper, I get not not like a not like a mouse like this, but like a, a trackpad. Yeah. Right, and then a and then the folio keyboard cover. So you have a hardware keyboard mm-hmm. and a hardware mouse, and you have, I guess, is it iOS 14 that has the, or iPad OS that have you, have you tried the mouse? Like exactly. Yeah.
0: Dot? Yeah. Cause it came yeah. with it installed in it. So the mouse is working right out of the box. Like you don't have to, you don't have to do Wait, anything. What software is that running? Is it 13.3? I don't remember the number I, and it's not in front of me. Uh, I have my older iPad. It's not so It's not, not
1: iPadOS 14, right? I, I'm not crazy. That's no. not out yet, right?
0: No, I don't think so. I think no. we're still, this was a point release because there wasn't anything else. This was the biggest new feature. There wasn't a ton of other software features, but the way that they did the most support is great.
1: Have you tried much of the, uh, the LiDAR?
0: The LiDAR thing sounds really cool, but I don't know what to do with it yet. I mean, same as when I got uh, AR support on my phone. I was like, cool, I'll go install the IKEA app uh, pretend to buy some furniture, and uh, then I'm not really there's sure. There's no else to do. there's
1: no application for yeah. it yet, right? But like,
0: there will be crazy stuff. So for me, the most exciting stuff isn't what I can do; it's watching other people. So anybody that doesn't follow Matt Workman on Instagram or or uh, Twitter or YouTube or anywhere, he is cinematographer DB. He used to do cinematography breakdowns, but now he's focused entirely on Cinetracer, his app, which uh, he's been on the show as well. So he's reconstructing 3D environments in his computer and you are basically able to shoot them like a movie set. So you actually maybe this is how people are going to produce movies while we're all in isolation is it's just it's Unreal Engine creating a virtual world. So you're in a video game world, but you can place cinema lights wherever you want and lighting modifiers and place actors in place. And now his new updates to it, he's created a virtual camera using both well, a camera and a Vive, uh, what's the uh what's the VR verve? The Vive. valve index? No, not the valve index.
1: Or the or the yeah, yeah, the HTC Vive, yeah.
0: Yeah, Vive. Thanks. Uh he's placed that on a camera, rig, and as he points it around, it looks around in the virtual world, which is the same way that James Cameron made avatars. He had a virtual camera. He'd look around in 3D and everything's just there. And it's mind blowing. So what you're able to what he's able to do with adding something like LiDAR is you can really s- scan your physical environment. You can import 3D objects and place them in the room. Like there are people that are going to be able to quickly make really interesting applications for us. And like things that came with face ID, for example, so this isn't part of the LIDAR, but just being able to have that 3D scan means like animators can do instant real time facial animations that are accurate and realistic. So I don't know. We're st- oh. we're still like, we're just hitting the point now where it's really going to, affect us as you know sort of mainstream creators as opposed to like deep technical creators but really soon there will be simple apps that let us bring this into what we're creating on youtube or for gaming platforms um and it's it's just one of those key components that won't be obvious until all of a sudden you can't live without it and apple's going to be way ahead of everybody else because nobody else is on top of this stuff they're going to be using apple's uh, like proprietary file formats and Apple will have set the stage for it and everybody else will just be piggybacking off of it. So do you think that the new iPhone is going to have a LIDAR sensor in the back? Oh, I don't, I don't, I didn't even think about that. That's funny. The, <laughs> now that you ask me, like, why didn't that occur to me? Yeah. I mean, I sure hope so. Like I, this is the, the iPhone is, you know, the premier uh, device. So, uh, whatever comes to the iPad, I think we're going to see on it, um, same, same thing. Actually, okay, wait. Here's a, here's a tech topic. I, we're slightly running out of time on our cameras, so I want to get to this before it's all over. One thing I'm thinking about, what are the biggest tech companies doing right now about coronavirus? Because there's no way that Apple has made zero changes to their product pipeline because of this, or that, I mean, these are just some of the richest companies in the world. I'm sure they've at least qu- taken some little division, and they're like, can you just explore... What we should be doing in this moment, like do any of our health device resources apply to this? Is there anything about the Apple Watch that could help people monitor oxygen blood oxygen levels, or I don't know you, you know like I don't know what where they're at, but there must be some big moves going on behind the scenes in the tech industry that will apply to this and that we will someday see.
1: I haven't even really thought about that i i I watch uh, everything Apple Pro's videos for Apple rumors, and they're saying I mean we were supposed to see this iPhone nine at the March event, mm-hmm. you know with which the March event never happened. It was just <laughs> you know the the new iPad and then the macbook um, I would imagine well, I mean, in terms of like creating some sort of you know product or something like that, I have no idea. But for for timelines, WWC is now online. Will the iPhone 12 you know launch happen in September like it normally has been? Not not like because Apple wants to, you know do it at the same time, but are the supply chains going to allow for it? Yeah. I don't know. I, I think that there's probably a lot of disruption happening and not disruption the cool tech disruption but like they their yeah, work yeah. their product lines are
0: being disrupted right now because of the coronavirus. Well, even will we see the same iPhone that we would have seen without a coronavirus? Like will a feature or two get removed to bring the price down because they know everybody's going to have less money to spend. That's the most obvious change I could imagine. I can't see anything else that would be affected by it necessarily, but
1: I think I think yes, we're still going to see the same iPhone because I would imagine that Apple is probably two or three years ahead of itself uh, in terms of like iPhone production. Like they know, right. yeah,
0: that ramp they, up is long.
1: They know they know really well what this iPhone 12 Pro is going to look like. Um, you know, probably a year or two in advance. But you you are definitely right in thinking that they're probably. You know, sitting in virtual meeting rooms, you know, hopefully from the comfort of their own homes, saying like, "Okay, now that everything is on pause and our fundamental, uh, you know, idea of his society and humanity has changed, like, let's let's pump the brakes a little bit. Well, let's take this project and maybe go try this and maybe try this. like, yeah, there's probably, I, I I would I would imagine that the Microsofts and the Apples and the Googles. Um, whether it's a, a product launch or maybe hopefully some sort of initiative to, you know, there's all these companies shifting to helping making masks right now, which is fantastic yeah. to see. But yeah, I, I really do wonder what it's like to be an Apple executive right now, where you're you're looking at the economy and you're saying we're not going to sell iPhones this quarter. Mm-hmm. Like our Apple stores are closed; they're they're losing. probably tens of millions of dollars a week in physical retail because and again we're just talking about apple i mean i've been an apple fanboy for a long time but they're really what i know um i I just can't imagine what it's like to be on the inside right now having to make these crazy crazy decisions for consumer tech where you know they kind of have to be reactive because the virus is just continuing Mm -hmm. to change things
0: yeah i think There will be big stories by the end of this about consumer tech companies saving the world in small ways, like, you know, that ways that government wasn't able to, that they will appear out of nowhere with some kind of solution to something or, uh, I don't know, I mean, maybe I'm just hopeful thinking, but that seems to be where the world has gone to some extent that we are sometimes being run (laughs) by, you know, private industry and, more than uh government in some certain way. So I don't know. I, I don't know how it's going to play out, but it will, it will somehow.
1: I, I think, I think eventually we will. And when I say eventually, like it really, like you said before, Tyler, it might be, you know, close to a year. You know, it's crazy to think about this because we're only in week three, week four, but I, I think it's going to be the repercussions are going to felt be felt for the rest of our lives. But I think in terms of the way this plays out over the next couple of weeks, um, it's gonna it's gonna continue to change day by day. So it's kind of just like wake up, check Twitter. You know, make sure the Earth hasn't set itself on fire. <laughs> um, and uh, continue continue um, doing what you do. Yeah. You know.
0: Well, to to wrap things up, uh, to wrap things up, the iPad, I will say this is the best one in years. So if you have a 2018, you do not need to upgrade. But if you have an older one, you you absolutely won't regret this one. Like this is they're, think, they're amazing. The- so.
1: The cutoff is if you don't have a promotion display, sure. I think th- this is going to be the first time that a, a sort of large consumer base experiences a high refresh display. Oh, please and come to you phone see soon. It, yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Wish list for the iPhone 12, <laughs> USB C, and 120 hertz. Please. And give me a terabyte of storage. Like, why not?
0: <laughs> yeah. Is that so much to ask? Sam, I. Really, really appreciate that you came on. This was fantastic. I'm glad we could finally talk. Well,
1: and now that I've been on your show, as soon as I you know, return to – I've I've rebooted my podcast probably three or four times at this point. I haven't recorded an episode in like two or three weeks, but I have a running list. I'm pretty sure you're already on there, Tyler, of guests that I want to have. Um, so in the coming weeks or months, I would definitely love to have you on my show. Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, I would love to. And I can't wait to see what you do next. I mean, we're all – Don't be afraid to do some tech videos. I want to see them.
1: (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, man. Be well.